Well, hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us online for church this Sunday. I hope you're having a great weekend. We certainly miss seeing all of you in person. And I got a question for us as we get going today. How would you respond if somebody asked you this question? Why are we here? <laughs> That's exactly the question that my son asked me the other day. He has this amazing way of casually asking me questions about life's greatest mysteries. And it's almost always completely out of nowhere. On this particular occasion, we were uh, sitting on the couch on a Saturday. His siblings were watching Bluey on the TV. He's playing Nintendo Switch because he's too old for Bluey. Dad's on the iPad just messing around. And, and, and we're just sitting there, like, eating, you know, pirate's booty. Nothing at all is happening. And out of nowhere, my son looks up and he says, hey, Daddy, why are we here? And I was like, why are we at home? Well, because it's our day off and we're not going anywhere. We're just going to chill today. And he was like, no, I mean, like, why are we here? Why did God make us? <laughs> And I'm like, oh, shoot, how in the world do I respond to this? I'm like, can you Google why are we here for an eight-year-old? But nevertheless, I formulate this answer, and, and I do. I give him like a three to four-minute, eight-year-old level response to the question, why are we here? I give him the presentation. I even end like a good preacher with a recap at the end, and then I stop, and I await his now, I'm sure, enlightened Response, which, which I'm also confident is probably going to include, you know, a newly formed eight to 10 year plan for, the, for his life. But here's what I get back. And daddy, you remember in Avengers when Thor comes out of the clouds in like Infinity War with all the lightning and he kills the monsters? Do you think that was cooler than when Iron Man fought Thanos on that alien planet? <laughs> Your kids ever do stuff like that? Like randomly ask you one of the fundamental questions of the universe, and then upon receiving your brilliant response, just go on like nothing ever happened? Why are we here? And I wonder if you've ever had a time in your life when you found yourself asking that question. Like maybe it was when you were in high school and you were trying to figure out where to go to college and what career path to get on. Or maybe it was in your 20s after college when you were launching into adulthood and trying to build your entire life, you know? Or maybe it was in your 30s and 40s when you realized that you had arrived at where you planned to in your 20s and you're wondering, well, well, what do I do now? Like, is, is this it? <laughs> or maybe it was when you retired or when your kids left the house and you found yourself wondering, well, what's next? And I wasn't really ready for this season. Or maybe it was simply when a big life change or, or a life disruption came your way and the thing that used to take up all your time and bring meaning to your life was suddenly gone. Like when you lost your job or when you got a divorce or when you suddenly moved from one city to another or when somebody that you cared about got really, really sick or when you made a really, really big mistake and suddenly the whole landscape of your life shifted and you found yourself asking all over again, why am I here? That's what this series is about. It's called made for this. And we are going to spend the next three weeks exploring together as a church, this book in the Bible called Colossians. And I'm going to spend the next three weeks preaching from the book of Colossians, but you also have a role to play in this particular series, because I'm going to ask you to read the book along with me. Every one of you is going to get one of these. This right here is a 21-day, bite-sized, and I mean bite-sized reading plan for Colossians. If you didn't get a physical copy last Sunday, you can get a digital copy today, and you can get a physical one when we're back together 
next Sunday. But I'm telling you, whether you are a Christian or not, I would love for you to read this book along with me. Because not only is it really, really short, you can do it, I promise, but it is just full, I'm telling you, it's just full of some amazing stuff about God and about you and about what he's up to in your life and in this world. And I want you to see it. In fact, this book is so personally important to me. It's one of the books of the Bible that I've actually committed to memory. And then if you're a Jesus follower, this is one of the ways that we can continue to grow in our knowledge of the word, going from just learning about a few verses at a time to actually learning about a whole book at a time. And that's one of the reasons I'm really excited about this series, the chance to learn about a whole book of the Bible together as a church. So here's what I'd love for you to do. Why don't we just start here? Would you open the Bible to the book of Colossians chapter one, verse one? You can literally physically open a Bible or open the YouVersion app on your device, or you can literally just Google Colossians one and it'll come up. It'll probably be the first one. So let's start there and let's get an introduction to this book and to the specific theme that we're gonna be talking about in here on Sunday for the next three weeks. So here is how the book of Colossians starts. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. A lot of information here. For starters, we learn that this book of the Bible is actually a letter that was written by Paul, the apostle. Paul was a former Jewish religious leader, a Pharisee, who actually used to kill Christians. But then he had a life-changing encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, an encounter that would propel him to become the most famous and most important missionary in all of church history. He would write 13 letters that would be included in the Bible, and he planted churches all around the Roman Empire. In fact, speaking of, Paul actually writes this letter, Colossians, while he is in prison in Rome. And he was put in prison for this right here. He was put in prison for preaching about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and that he was Lord over everyone everywhere. So Paul is in prison writing this letter and with him is another famous figure in church history, his mentee, Timothy. So that's who's writing the letter. But in the very next verse, he continues on to say who he's writing it to. He says, to God's holy people in Colossae. Now, Colossae was an ancient city in the Roman Empire, and it's in what is now modern-day Turkey. In fact, I got a handy-dandy map for you right here. Uh, here's the Mediterranean Sea. Down here is Israel, where Paul is from. There's Greece. You know where that is. Here's Turkey. And right here is Colossae. So that's the city that he's writing to. But Paul isn't just writing to the city in general. He actually is specifically, he says, writing to the brothers and sisters in Christ. In other words, he's writing to the Christians in Colossae. He's writing to the church that was planted there. Uh, interestingly, though, Paul did not plant this specific church. This church was actually planted by an ally and a colleague of his named Epaphras. And while Epaphras planted and, and is leading this church, he wanted his church to hear from the authority, from the man himself, Paul the Apostle, all right? And so obviously Paul couldn't visit them in person because, you know, he's in prison. And so he does the next best thing. He writes a letter to this church that he has heard so much about. And that's how we get the letter, Colossians. And I want you to hear what he starts out with. After all the introductions are done and out of the way, Paul gets right to the heart of why he's writing. Right to the heart of what he wants for these 
Colossians. And I want you to see it because it's going to inform what we talk about in our time here and for the next three weeks on Sunday. Here's what he says. He says this, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, but not stopped praying for you. And that's pretty sweet, right? He's like, guys, we pray for you all the time. I'm telling you, we pray for you all the time. And by the way, you want to know what we pray most for you? You want to know what we want most for you? He actually tells them, he says, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Paul's like, that's what we pray for you most. You want to know what we want most? I want you to know God's will. Or to put it another way with some different words, he's like, I want you most of all, I want you to know why you're here. I want you to know why you're here. I want you to know why God put you on this planet. I want you to know what you're supposed to do with this life that you have, what you're supposed to do with this church that you have. Paul's gonna talk about all kinds of things in this letter, and and you're gonna discover all of them when you read it with me, right? But one of the themes that runs through the whole thing is that Paul is answering this question right here that we all have, no matter who we are, why am I here? And Paul says, I want you to know the answer to that question. In fact, look, he says, I'm asking God to fill you with the answer to that question through his Holy Spirit inside of you. Why? He tells us, so that you may live a certain kind of life, so that you will live your life in a certain kind of way. This word here uh, for live in the Greek is actually the word to walk. And it's, it is referring to how you walk through life, like how you walk through work, how you walk through your relationships, how you walk through your decisions and problems, how you walk towards your potential and your calling and your hopes and dreams in life. And Paul is saying, that's what I want. I want, your, I want you to discover God's will. I want you to discover your why so that it will impact your walk. I want you to discover your why so that it will impact your walk. I actually talk about this a lot in, in our church. It's like the illustration of the balance beam. I don't know if you've ever walked on a balance beam. I have a couple of times, and I always was told one of the tips is you don't look down at your feet. You look at the end of the beam because where your eyes focus, your feet will follow. That's the principle at work. Where your, your eyes focus, your feet, they're going to follow. And that's what's going on here. Paul says, I I want your why, where your eyes are focusing, to impact your walk, the direction of your feet. And he wants that because he wants, and God wants, and if you're being honest, you want to walk in this way right here. You want to walk worthy. You want to walk worthy. But that's the goal here, that you and I would get to the end of this year, get to the end of this decade. We get to the end of this season of work, this season of parenting, season of marriage, this season of finances and health and relationships and friendships. And for that matter, that we would eventually get to the end of our lives and that you would know in your heart and that you would hear from God and those around you, you did well. You did well. You walked worthy of the Lord and the life that he gave you. Paul says, that's my prayer. 
That's the number one thing I pray for you. I pray for you all the time. The number one thing I pray for you is that you would discover your why, the will of God, and that it would impact your walk the way you go through life so that in the end of the day, you would walk worthy. Y'all, I would suggest to you that this is why I hope you will tune into this series. And it's why I think even more importantly, you should tune into the book of Colossians because if you will read what he writes in this letter, I'm telling you, it's gonna help you and it's gonna help me walk worthy. And come on, I mean, even if you're not a Christian, even if you don't believe in God, you wanna do that, right? You wanna walk worthy. I mean, you wanna get it right. You, you want this season and you want this life to mean something, you, to, to add up to something truly good for you and for those you love and for those around you. I mean, no matter who you are, you, you want to do that. You want to walk worthy. But hey, for those of us that are Jesus followers, I, I mean, I think it's probably even a bigger deal for us because um, we believe that it's not just like our plans that are at stake in how we walk. We believe that God has a plan for us, right? Like we believe that God has a, a purpose, a will that he is inviting us to walk in so that we may experience what Jesus called life to the fullest, and we believe that. Like, we believe that God has a will for our lives. And as Jesus followers, we want to, in fact, we're, we're called to walk worthy. And not so that we can earn God's love or, or our value or his involvement in our lives. No, but simply that we could live up to the incredible love, the immense value, and the amazing plan that God already has for us. I heard Pastor Craig Groeschel say it this way, and I love this statement. He says, your life is too valuable. Your calling is too great. And your God too awesome to waste your life on what doesn't matter. Man, I agree with that. And I think you do too. We can't afford to spend our lives or any portion of them unaware of or forgetful of or in disregard of our purpose for being on the planet. The why of God on our lives. Why? Because your why impacts your walk and your walk is what makes your life worthy. So that's what we're gonna be doing in here for the next three Sundays. We're gonna be learning from Colossians three answers to the question, why am I here? And I can tell you from personal experience, multiple times in my life, that when you discover that, or when you rediscover that, or when you even just simply reconnect with it in a, in a fresh way, with fresh passion, it can make all the difference in the world for where you are right now. And I hope that happens. And I hope that these three answers set you up to know what to do in life and where to go in life and who to be in life more than perhaps ever before. So we're gonna be finding three answers to that question. And the first one, it turns out, Paul gives us in the very next paragraph. And that's what we're gonna spend the rest of our time looking at today. So let's read it. But before I do, I gotta warn you, when I read it, you're gonna think, man, Paul got distracted. You're gonna think he's going off on a tangent and start talking about something else, but he's not. So just hang with me. Here's what he says next. And here's where we're gonna find answer Number one, he says this, the sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Paul immediately starts talking about Jesus. And by the way, here's why this might interest you, even if you're not a Christian. Have you ever wondered who Jesus really was? 
You know what I mean? Like, how in the world did a rabbi who was the son of a carpenter who never went like more than 30 miles from his hometown launch a world religion and change world history? I mean, how in the world did he do that? Was he just like that good of a teacher? Was he just that smart? Did he tap into some like secret spiritual power or something like that? Or, 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 or how about this question? What in the world is the relationship between Jesus and God? Because like, God sent Jesus to earth, but Jesus is God, and but they talk to one another. I mean, like, how in the world, what's that about? Like, how does that even make any sense? If any of those kind of questions are at all intriguing to you, my friends, this verse is for you. Paul says, hey, you wanna know who Jesus is? Let me tell you who Jesus is. Jesus is the son. Jesus is the son. What does that mean? Well, here's what, here's what it means. Through the millennia, we have learned from God's word and from his activity in the world that God is a pretty complex being. He's not like us. He is so far beyond us. In fact, we have, we have come to learn that God is what we call a trinity, which simply means that God is one being who has three different persons. One being that has three different persons, and those persons are God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. And Paul is saying, hey, you wanna know who Jesus is? He wasn't just a man. He wasn't just a really good teacher. He wasn't just a rabbi that lived in ancient Israel. No, he was God, the son who put on a body and walked among us. Isn't that pretty cool? Yeah, but that's just like word number one. He keeps going. He says, the son is the image of the invisible God. The image of the invisible God. Here's what that means. You know how God is like invisible, you know? Like you can't see him? Well, Jesus is the seeable part, Paul says, of an unseeable God. I've heard it explained like this uh, before, that it's kind of like the sun in the sky. Like if God the Father is this actual sun, Jesus is like the rays of light that you can see with your eyes. He's the seeable part of an unseeable God. Jesus himself said it like this, um, famously, when the disciples asked him, hey, Jesus, will you show us the Father? Will you show us God? Jesus goes, don't you know this already? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. To see me is to see God. So if you wanna know who God is or what he is like or how he feels about you, the, the best and most accurate place to look is Jesus. He's the image of the invisible God. Isn't that cool? But then he says one more word. Not only is the image of the invisible God, he is the firstborn over all creation. And this term is a little tricky because it kind of sounds like God created Jesus, but we know that he wasn't created. God didn't create Jesus because Jesus is God and God is not created. He is the creator. And so it's a little bit confusing, but this word in the Greek is actually this word right here, proto-tokos, proto-tokos, which kind of sounds a little bit like prototype, doesn't it? And that's more what this word means, that Jesus is like the prototype or the originator of all creation. And that's what Paul goes on to explain. He, he says this right here. Uh, For in him, all things were created. In him, all things were created, whether things in heaven or on earth, visible or invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created in, in him. And, and if you've ever read like the Bible before or you know, been reading with your kids and your, and your children's Bible, and, which is the Bible that most of us, let's be honest, read the most, you know, um, you may be going, uh, 
I don't remember Jesus being in the creation story. Like he wasn't in there the last time I read that. But he actually is. And it'll, it'll make this make sense. Uh, you, you know how in Genesis it says that God spoke and created the world? Well, God the Father spoke the world into existence, but the apostle John says that Jesus was the word that God spoke. He was the word through which and by which God made the world. If you've ever read the book of John, the gospel of John, you may remember that poetic language. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then a little later, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He's talking about Jesus. Isn't that wild? Saying, yeah, Jesus is the, the firstborn, the prototokos of all creation. So that is who Paul is talking about. That's who he starts this thing off talking about, this, this transcendent figure, this magnificent being, Jesus, the son, the image, the firstborn. Now, I told you this would happen. I told you this would happen because I know that a lot of you right now, you're going, why are we talking about Jesus? I mean, besides the fact that we're like in church and the, in church, every answer, you know, is Jesus. You remember being a kid in Sunday school and they're like, what is this animal? You're like, looks like a squirrel, but I'm pretty sure the answer is Jesus. You know, besides that, why is Paul talking about Jesus? I thought we were talking about purpose. I thought we were talking about why I'm here. And we are. In fact, we just got to it. Because Paul had to say all that in order to say this, that all things were created by him and for him. The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And whether we're talking about things in heaven or on earth, visible or invisible, all things were created by him. And here we go, major purpose bestowing word created for him. For him. That's answer number one. Paul's saying, I want you to discover your why because it's gonna impact your walk and then you will walk worthy. And the first thing you need to know about why you are here is that there really is a God and he is out of this world. I mean, he is transcendent. He is so far beyond our imagination. He's unfathomably huge and powerful and beyond our understanding. I mean, he, he paints the, uh, with galaxies. He creates with words. He's outside of time and space. And yet, for no other reason than he cares about you, he put on a body and he walked the earth so that you could see who he was for yourself, so that you could see for yourself how he feels about you. And his name was Jesus, the son, the image, the firstborn. And you, my friends, you were created by him and for him. You were created by him, but not just by him. You were created for him. Have you ever been caught in the rain? I got caught in the rain recently at my son's practice. Started raining. But I was feeling lucky because I had all my East Cobb Church windbreaker, you know? I was kind of feeling good about myself. I'm like, look at me, repping the brand, staying dry. Of course, the joke was on me because the windbreaker wasn't waterproof. But <laughs> I was like, no, this is miserable. I'm over there complaining, you know? But my friend is standing nearby 
And he's like happy as a clam. No complaints. I'm like jealous and all. Like, oh. So I asked him, I'm like, where's your jacket from? <laughs> and he was like, I, I don't know. There wasn't an identifying mark on it. He's like, I, I kind of forgot. I don't know. It's just my rain jacket. And so what did I do? I reached over and I checked the, yeah, the tag. It had two very familiar words on it. North face. It was a North Face jacket. And I was like, oh, that's all I needed to know, right? The tag told me everything I needed to know about the jacket and what it was made to do. It was made to keep out the rain and it was made to last a really long time. How do I know? Because it wasn't off-brand. It was the North Face. The North Face, yes, you know. All I had to do was check the tag. And my friends, if you want to know your purpose, if you want to know why you're here if you want to know what you're supposed to be doing in your 20s or your 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s or 70s or 80s or any stage of life for that matter, if you want to know why you're here, you should check your tag. You should check your tag because you were made by and for Jesus. And that means, listen to me, that means that your primary purpose in life is not a what, it's a who. Let me say that again. This means that your primary purpose in life is not actually a what. Like go here, do this, go to college there, work here, grow this, experience that, buy this, have fun here. We're gonna get to all that, I promise. Literally next week, we're gonna talk all about that. But for starters, I just want you to know that your primary purpose in life is not a what. It's a who. God made you, first and foremost, for himself. God made you first and foremost for himself. That you would know him, that you'd be like him, and that you'd join him in what he's doing in the world. That's why God made you. And come on, that makes sense, right? I mean, that totally makes sense, doesn't it? Parents, think back to when you decided to have kids or when you decided to adopt kids. Think back to that moment. Question, did you have kids so that you would have somebody to sleep in your bedrooms? Did you adopt kids so that you'd have somebody to play with the toys? Or hey, did you, did you have kids so that you'd have somebody to do the chores, as cool as that is? Did you adopt your kids so that you'd have somebody to drop off at school or on, at sports on the weekends? No, no, you had kids because you wanted them. That's why you had kids. You had kids because you wanted to know them and them to know you. You wanted to love them and them to love you. You wanted to do life with them and then do life with you. That was the whole point. You had kids or adopted kids first and foremost for yourself because you wanted them. You wanted to be a family together. And y'all, I'm telling you, the same thing is true of God. Same thing is true of God. He did not make you because he wants something from you. No, he made you because he wants you. He wants you. Like you're the thing that he cares about. You are what he got out of creation. He got you. 
And oh my goodness, I'm telling you, if you could see, if you could see for one second what God sees when he looks at you, like the love in his eyes, the joy in his heart, the, the treasure that you are to him. And if you could see for one second the incredible plan that he has for you, like who he sees you becoming and where he sees you going and what he sees you doing and the decisions he sees you making, the relationships he sees you having, the difference he sees you leaving in the world. I'm telling you, if you could see for one second what God sees when he looks at you, it would blow your mind. And that is why you're here. Believe it or not, the purpose of your life is Jesus. The purpose of your life is Jesus. He made you. You were made by and for him. He made you to know him. He made you to be like him. And he made you to join him like a kid joins his dad and whatever he's doing. So, if you ever find yourself wondering, why am I here? What's my purpose? What am I, what am I supposed to be doing? Where am I supposed to be going? Who am I supposed to be in this life and in this world? Might I humbly suggest, you should check your tag. You should check your tag because you were made by and for Jesus. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, your soul will never find its rest and your soul will never find its fulfillment until you come home to the God who made you for himself, until you walk in a relationship with the God who made you for himself. And I remember the first time that I discovered that. And I remember being so shocked because I always had this idea that God wanted something from me, you know? Like that, that God wanted me to do stuff for him and he didn't want me to do stuff that ang angered him and embarrassed him. And I always felt this, this pressure. I, I always felt this guilt. And to be honest, I always felt this distance. But to learn that God just wanted me like, like not something I could do, not something that I could make. He just wanted me, like to know me and be my dad and love me and invest in me and walk with me through this life. I was like, are you serious? That is so much better than I thought. And for the first time in my life, I knew why I was here. I was here for him. I was here for him. And that was the day in my life. That was the day in my life when I found the greatest thing in my life. That was the day that I found the greatest single thing in my whole life. I mean, and don't get me wrong. Look, I, I love my job. I love this church. It's like dream job for me. And then even more than that, I love my family, like my wife and kids and my parents, and my brother and his family. I love them beyond words. But I'm telling you, God, my relationship with Jesus my relationship with my creator, it is the greatest thing that I have. But hey, not only did I find the greatest thing in, in my life, I, I found a thing by which I understand and order and pursue everything else in my life. You know what I mean by that? Like Jesus is the, 
the grid, the key, the cipher, the, the roadmap. He's the thing by which I understand and put together and, 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 and order everything else in my life. He's the thing that makes my life make sense, that makes my life come together, that makes my life better and me better at, at life. And I know you may find this hard to believe, but I am convinced that when you tune in to your why, that you were made primarily not for a what, but for a who, that, that you were made by and for Jesus, I'm convinced that you're gonna find the same thing. I am convinced that you're gonna find the greatest thing in your life, that you're gonna experience for yourself what David was talking about when he said, God's love is greater than life. In his presence, his fullness of joy, in his right hand is pleasure forever. I'm convinced that you're gonna experience what the other psalm writers were talking about when they said, better is one day in the house of the Lord than a thousand elsewhere. I'm convinced that you're gonna see for yourself what Paul meant when he said, hey, I would consider everything else in my life a loss, as if it were trash, when compared to the passing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I'm convinced you're going to experience for yourself what Jesus himself meant when he said, I am the living water. I'm the bread of life. Like I am who you were made to live on knowing me. I'm convinced you're going to experience it for yourself. Yeah, the greatest gift that God has ever given us is not a thing. It's himself. It's himself. It's that we get to know him and be loved by him. It's the greatest thing in the world. It's what you were made for. And I'm convinced you're going to find the same thing. But not only that, I'm also convinced that you're going to find the thing by which you see correctly and understand correctly and pursue correctly and enjoy correctly everything else. And that's why I want this for you. So that's answer number one. I know you want to get to the what like, where am I supposed to go and what am I supposed to do? And I promise you, we're literally getting there next Sunday and we're gonna talk all about it. But we had to put first things first because you were made primarily for a who, not a what. You're made for a who. And chances are, if you're anything like me, you've spent most of your life living way more for a what than you have a who. And today, I would love to invite you to change that, starting right now. I'd love to invite you to change that. And here's how you can. Here's how you can. There is one specific thing that I would love to invite you to add into your life and your relationship with God. Or if it's already there, there's one specific thing that I would love to invite you to dial up in your life and your relationship with God. And it's this right here. Dialogue. That you and God would talk. That you and God would interact, that you and God would get to know each other more and more and more, that you would develop a consistent and ever-deepening relationship with him. Why? Because that's what he wants most from you. That's why he made you. So talk to him. And I realize that for many of us, this might involve a pretty significant shift in our understanding of God and our relationship with him, like the shift from a relationship based on duty to one that is fueled by dialogue, like moving from a relationship that in church experience, it's all about information to one that's really about interaction. It might be a really big shift for some of us to move from an understanding of a God who just wants something from us and him to do something, us to do something for him to a God who just wants us to be with him. 
But I'm telling you, you make this shift and it's going to completely change your relationship with God. And it's going to give you the experience with him that you were created to have. So that's what I want us to do, to add in dialogue. And I would like all of us for now, for the next 21 days to start right here with this 21 day reading plan for Colossians. You'll see on page like two or whatever here that we're going to use what we call the SOAP method for reading through Colossians. And right here, it's going to spell it out for you, walk you through it. Don't worry, it's not complicated. It's really, really easy to do. The only thing I do want to point out, though, is that it starts with Scripture, which is God speaking, and it ends with, look at that, prayer, which is you speaking, because that's the goal. That's the goal, that you would develop a dialogue with Jesus by whom and for whom you were made. And, and to be clear, this is just a starting point. It's meant to scale. It's, it's meant to expand. It's meant to work its way into your life that you would, you know, as you go through work and as you go to the gym and as you go through life and hang out at home with your family and as you do whatever you do, that you would, you know, it, you would begin to walk in a dialogue with your heavenly father. It's meant to make its way into Sunday as you interact with God through you know, the worship songs that we sing and interact with, the, through God, with God through the word that is preached. I mean, it's meant to kind of seep out into your whole life. And the goal is that you would have a daily dialogue with God. Or to use the word from Colossians, that you would have a daily walk with God. So that's what I'm inviting you to do. Christians, come on, Christians. Christians, let's stop treating who for what? All right? I know many of us, we're so busy doing all the things that we do. And in the back of our mind, yeah, like we're doing it all for God, for sure. But sometimes in the process, we skip over the most important thing. So what do you say? What do you say? We throw off busyness. We say no to laziness or whatever laziness is there. And, and, and we cultivate a daily rhythm of walking with our heavenly father, of dialoguing with our heavenly father. Let's do it. Today's the day. But hey, even if you're not a Christian, I'm telling you, uh, here's why I think you should take this seriously. Here's why I think you should absolutely read this. Please read this and here's why. Let me just ask you this question. What if, what if God really is there? And what if he really does love you and have a plan for you? Wouldn't you want to know? Like, wouldn't you want to find out? Start talking to him. Start listening to him and see what you find. That's what somebody told me all those years ago before I was following Jesus. They said, hey, if God's out there, just ask him. Just why don't, why don't you just ask God? Hey, God, if you're there, will you show yourself to me? What do you have to lose? I was like, all right. So I did. And he showed up. I went looking for God and I found him. More like he found me because he'd been there the whole time. So I'll just say that to you. What do you have to lose? Oh, please, come on. But he'd read this with us and just start dialoguing with the God who made you. I hope you will. That's what I'm inviting all of us to do. Would you start here and develop a dialogue with your heavenly father? Start right here. And go walk in the greatest purpose of your life. The greatest purpose of your life. Get to know Jesus. Because like Paul said, your why, it impacts your walk. And your walk is what makes your life worthy.
worthy of you and those you love and worthy of the God who loves you so much. So church family, I hope that we will consider this week the implications of this huge, huge truth. that You and I were made first and foremost by him and for him. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would understand today and feel an urgency today what Paul is saying, that our why is a huge deal because it impacts our walk. And ultimately, it's our walk that's gonna make our life worthy. And I pray that it would feel like really, really good news, surprisingly cool news to learn that the primary purpose of our life is actually a who, not a what that we were made by you and for you. And oh, I just pray for all of us that we would discover or perhaps cultivate and deepen our dialogue with you and get to know you because it's why you made us. You want us more than anything else. And that is amazing. Thank you so much for your love and your grace. Thank you for wanting to know us and be a part of our lives. You're amazing. And I just pray that we discover a little bit more of that this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today for church. We'll see you back in here in person next Sunday for part two of Made For This. I love you guys. Go love where you live.